if you're not quite sure where the Sunshine Coast is, you'll probably know where the town of Gibsons is because it was home to the TV series The Beachcombers. That is the Sunshine Coast. It's about a 45-minute ferry ride north of Horseshoe Bay, which is in West Vancouver, so not too, too far uh, from Vancouver itself. It's a fast-growing area. Lots of building going on there. Lots of young families moving out there. Lots of people retiring from Vancouver out there. And it's called the Sunshine Ghost because it gets a lot of sunshine. But this year has been something exceptional. Now, normally in Seashelt, which is just up the road from Gibsons, they get about 200 millimeters of rain in the summer. This year, from July 10th till now, they've had nine. Nine millimeters. That's it. Um so you can imagine they're struggling with a real lack of water right now. So today was, in fact, the first day of a ban on all non-essential industrial and commercial use of water on the Sunshine Coast. They've had to mandate that because there's just not enough for everyone to have enough. Um, as I was mentioning, there's nothing fictional about this crisis, even though that area is so well known for that fictional series. After three months without rain, three months they moved to their highest level of restrictions back at the end of August so they could save water for homes, hospital, and fire protection. That was ending all outdoor use, so no watering your lawn, no washing your car, no filling your pool. And for farmers, real limitations, if any, on irrigating crops. I don't think anyone was allowed to do that either. So again, it's gotten even worse. To give you an idea of what's going on right around this province right, right now, uh, it's been a really warm and sunny fall. Now, people aren't necessarily complaining about the warmth and the sunshine, um, but the lower mainland, all of Vancouver Island, and the northeastern part of the province are all living through drought right now. More than 150 daytime temperature records were broken across BC in September, 150, and another 33 have been set in the first week of this month. Um, so it's just been incredibly warm and dry. And again, for Seashell, it's just meant that it's gotten worse there. So now again, the ban extended to commercial and industrial non-essential use. That includes places such as factories, like cement factories, cannabis production, and of course, places like cideries and breweries. Uh, here is a member of the Sunshine Coast Regional District discussing the ban. The rain we are expecting for late last week won't be enough by any means to do anything in terms of lake levels. The intent is really to focus on make sure that we have enough water for residents, for the hospital, for firefighting. At the same time as we're still working on all kinds of means to expand our water supply. So they are working on water supply there, but for the time being, there is a ban going on. That's not good news if you rely on water supply. So one business that has been hit is the very appropriately named Persephone Brewery. Persephone, you'll remember, uh, was the boat uh, on Nick's boat on uh, on the Beachcombers. I hope I haven't gotten that wrong. Yes, it was Nick's boat on the Beachcombers. And joining me now is Brian Smith, founder and CEO of Persephone Brewery in Gibsons, BC. Thanks for your time tonight, Brian. Hi, Ben. Uh, thanks for having me on. This is something we've been reading about for a while, but it feels like it's gotten more extreme in recent days. Uh, it has indeed. I, I'm not sure there are precedents where small business is getting cut off from its water source, uh, at least not in BC. What I mean, the impact on a brewery seems pretty obvious, but just what exactly are you going to do and how long do you feel like you can hold out without water? Yeah, well, you know, let's forgive me, but I want to take one quick step back to say that, you know, that our farm was cut off at the end of August. And so, you know, farmers across our region haven't been able to irrigate their crops. And so, you know, it's, I think it's always important to kind of start there. The, in terms of our brewery, uh, I, I mean, 
you know, we're, we're sort of scrambling to figure out what we're going to do. It, it, if it doesn't go on too long, this won't be catastrophic. We certainly have some beer, uh, you know, in inventory, finished product in inventory. We have some work in progress uh, that we could probably get out. Um, and so the fact that we stopped brewing last night and as soon as we found out, uh, you know, won't really hurt us unless this goes on past, let's say, two weeks. Uh, and then it starts to get really worrisome. You mentioned this earlier, Brian, it's not just a brewery, you have a farm as well. And you had already seen, as you were saying, you had already seen the impacts of water restrictions as everyone else did. So if, if listeners could understand, this has happened in a few different phases of restrictions as the stages have, have increased. Is that right? That's right. And in fact, this has happened over the last few years, if I'm not mistaken, four out of the last seven years, we've faced stage four watering restrictions, which means no outdoor watering for, for anyone, including farms. Uh, and so one really has to wrestle with, you know, the sort of ethics around, you know, farmers getting cut off, but not breweries. And so, you know, we knew that this was, uh, was, was is a challenge for our community and, and we're trying to do right by the community. And so we stopped brewing as soon as we found out how how dire it was. And here we are trying to figure out where to go next. Just, Brian, as a member of the community, not just a small, not just a business owner, but also a member of the community, someone who lives there, has a family there, what's it been like just to go through these, this drought and, and then the increasing restrictions right down to uh, something like your brewery being cut off? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that is most, uh, you know, sort of important to touch on and isn't always so obvious is that times of stress and anxiety can lead to uh, you know, fracturing of community that can lead to, you know, people pointing fingers at each other and, and trying to choose sides and divisiveness. And, and so I think what, you know, what we're trying to do in our community is say, uh, no, let's all pull together to figure out these solutions. So not unlike we did when, you know, COVID came around, I, I think all, you know, sort of you know, uh, stakeholders in the community need to start working together. So including our consumers and our shareholders and our business partners and our government, um, so that's what you know we're sort of seeing is that that anxiety leading to divisiveness. But uh, like, how how do we combat that in the interest of the collective? Yeah, I mean, Brian, I, I think we've seen this all around the world. It's just sometimes when it lands on the doorsteps of the Sunshine Coast, you know, just just north of BC, of Vancouver, it's a surprise. But fight fights over limited resources can get nasty, right? I mean, I think we are you seeing that starting? How much are you seeing that where you are, and and what does it bode for the future? Yeah, I think that is a risk and we're seeing a little bit of it. But hey, you know what? I think we can I can think I think we can stop that. You know, I think we can be part of the the discourse that is it, it's not us versus them. It's not farmer versus brewery. It's not us versus government and government letting small business down. It's that we need to work together. So our business among others have to reduce the amount of water that we need and which is part of the reason by the way we're doing a fundraise right now to be able to drill our own well. So we need to do our part and we need to, you know, support our elected and uh, you know representatives and our local government staff to 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 uh, you know to to choose the right paths forward and to make the right investments and so i think you know i i keep wanting to bring it back to uh you know this isn't this isn't going to just affect you know sort of one party or another it's eventually going to affect us all i mean farmers not being able to irrigate crops you know means their livelihood is compromised but maybe more importantly and if you take a step back and look at the bigger picture it means our food security is compromised and that includes everybody and so trying to keep you know raising the discourse up up to a higher level that is uh that we all need to be working on together on solutions 
Yeah, I mean, I, just as a resident, had you seen this coming? I mean, I, I think a lot of Canadians, uh, British Columbians, take it for granted that water is not always an abundant supply, but there's always supply. Um, just as a resident of the area, had you seen this coming? Were there concerns that this was going to happen eventually? Yeah, I, I mean, I like I say, several of the last few years, you know, we all are, have had restrictions. And so everybody is sort of wrestling with like, how much should I water my plants? And, you know, should I wash my car this week? And so, the, the, you know, the discussion has been pretty, pre- you know, fairly prevalent annually. Uh, what's more is, you know, our, dis- our, our community, we live in a, you know, a, fortunately, a, a community that has lots of discussion around things like climate change and the impacts thereof. And so, you know, whether it was the floods last year in November or the long spring that prevented pollinators from coming out on time and, and pollinating apple trees or this drought, you know, we're having these discussions uh, at the community level and, and, and our, our community in particular is, is engaged in that. Yeah, Brian, I was actually right near you for the heat dome. Uh, believe it or not, uh, you know, a couple of summers ago, and it was uh, it was remarkably warm on the Sunshine Coast. Needless to say, what do you think the solutions are? Do communities? I mean, because in some ways, what I'm seeing is that uh, places like Gibson's and Seashell are becoming bellwethers for other parts of the province. This is not only going to happen to you, right? It's happening elsewhere. So, how do we tackle it? Do you think? I mean, as a, as a business owner, as a citizen, as a resident, uh, where do you think we begin? Yeah, great question, and and thanks for going there. A lot of the sort of media discussion is what's the problem, and and but I want to talk about solutions like you. So I, I think there's a few different. One, we need to engage in the discourse about what you know. How do we work together? Two, we need to get behind and support each other's efforts, particularly those providing leadership. And so uh, you know, you not to to state overstate a, a brag here, but Persephone is trying to provide some leadership. We're trying to build a community. We have this raise right now where we're trying to bring on 2,000 new shareholders, not just because we need to capitalize the growth of our company, but because we want to create a collective effort. And then three, uh, you know, we're really doubling down on nature-based solutions to climate change. Ours in, in particular is regenerative agriculture. Uh, regenerative, you know, ag has the potential of both sequestering carbon, so starting to work on, you know, or continue to work on mitigation, climate mitigation, but also regenerative agriculture helps us prepare and adapt to changing climate, you know, climactic events and and circumstances. For example, as as our soil gets healthier, it'll be able to utilize water more efficiently. And so, you know, some of these nature-based solutions to climate are worth investing in, uh, which is why we're, we're, we're doing so. And yet you face that that obvious dilemma that to make beer, you need water. And, you know, Persephone is a brewery. So how do you solve that issue? Yeah, sorry. I, I'll, I'll, yeah, I should have touched on this one, too. I mean, I think at, uh, at a very simplistic sort of level, we need better infrastructure in our region. And our local government has been working on solutions, including, you know, drilling a couple of new wells on Church Road and in Langdale. And as I understand it, I'm no, I'm no you know, expert on, or engineer, but as I understand it, with those wells will come the end of these restrictions, you know, on an annual basis. It should be sufficient for our, our, our current needs and perhaps for a growing population. So I think investment in infrastructure is our, is our you know, sort of path to the immediate water source problem. But again, we always want to keep bringing this back to, yeah, but climate's going to keep getting worse. These climate events are going to keep getting worse. Are we prepared for that? I'm not sure, but we need to keep talking about it. Yeah, Brian, I'm sure you've seen too, and I've noticed it just the growth in, in your area. A lot of communities around the country have witnessed yeah. big, big growth, and that's you know exacerbating the issue, no doubt. It is absolutely. And so, you know, the policymakers need to wrestle with things like like short term rentals and developments and how to 
leverage that growth for the growth of you know sufficient infrastructure for the preparation emergency climate emergency preparation and 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 then all of us especially those of us i believe who are working in the food chain and the value chain of providing food security really need to think about how do we prepare uh and make sure that we can feed our communities um you know for generations to come and just in the short term so you said a couple of weeks uh, you feel like you're okay but i'm sure you've had some tough conversations with your staff given what's had to happen yeah, I mean, our staff, so first of all, you know, you, you may recall, we've been through a, a few different uh, adversities, you know, one with the Agricultural Land Reserve, and then we all went through COVID. And so our staff are what I would characterize as remarkably resilient, you know, people and a team. Uh, so it hasn't had to be too hard of conversations. It's more like, okay, let's problem solve. Uh, and what are we going to do this week? How do we change our practices, you know, immediately to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our community in terms of, you know, water conservation? But what are we going to look at next week for our options around, you know, packaging out or not, or contract brewing off of the coast or bringing water over from, you know, communities that have sufficient amounts? So, you know, we're looking at the options and at this point, not talking about layoffs. Uh, if the drought were to go on for, let's say, three for four or more weeks and it really becomes prolonged, um, things might get more dire. But at this point, we are cautiously optimistic that we're going to get through this, especially with the help of our friends. Brian Smith, uh, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate your insight on this. Okay. Thanks very much, Ben.